0: Bibles to Psalm 122, and let me hear that it's been six months since I have the, the sound, the sweet sound of a real Bible opening and a page turn, if you can exaggerate it for me or something, in the basement. Before we read, just a few thank yous are in order. You know, a lot of people worked very hard on this project, but a few in particular, and this is not everybody that I wanna thank. Dan Anderson, if you're watching, I hope you are, for striking up that conversation three years ago. Pastor Martin, if you are watching, thank you so much. We would not be here without your faith. Matt Norman in particular, but all of our board of directors for just tireless hour after hour of expertise and hard work. To all of our staff, every single one in particular, Alex Salzwoodall for working his tail off on this project over the last two years. Keith Ponce in the back, our new facilities manager, the, the Yoda of all things building. Thank you for your great attitude and hard work. Key volunteers, Keith Fishback, if you're watching, we love you, thank you. John Tomplin, for all of the work, the landscaping, thank you. And thank you to all of you who gave over and above your tithe to make this building a reality. I continue to have my faith rise due to your generosity. But above all, let's just give thanks to God. Would you just take a moment right where you're at and let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we recognize that generosity and joyful love are at the heart of the Trinity itself. The Father giving the Son, and the Son giving the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit giving the church, and now we give back to you gratitude. Thank you that we are not on the street. Thank you that this building is not in, under fi- on fire or under duress. Thank you for the gift of a home for our church family. Thank you above all that with or without a home, your presence is in us, that we are the temple, not concrete and glass and wood, but we, the church of Jesus, the body that we inhabit is the temple of the spirit of God. Thank you for that reality. Psalm 122, if you have your Bible. Psalm 122 is one of the Shirei Hamaloth in Hebrew, or the Songs of Ascent, one of 15 psalms from 120 through 135 that were the worship set that Israel would sing three times a year as they made their way from all over the country up to, to the city of Jerusalem for the three annual festivals. One commentator writes, topographically, Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine, and so all who traveled there spent much of their time ascending. But the ascent was not only literal, it was also a metaphor. The trip to Jerusalem acted out a life lived upward toward God, an existence that advanced from one level to another in developing maturity. Let's read Psalm 122, verse one. A song of ascents of David. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. What is the building that you and I are in or you are watching right now online? Is it a church or is it just a shell with a roof and a heater and new furniture? David in the text we just read calls the temple the building that was set aside for worship in his era the quote house of the lord on one hand our new home is just a shell or i think of my home back at home it's just, home back at home this is we are now back live right can't edit that out anymore my home is just a shell with a roof and running water and a heater for the winter But on the other hand, it's far more than that. It is a place for my family, who's sitting out here, to rest and work and celebrate and grow and mature and argue and make up and flourish and thrive in loving relationship. In the same way, the building that we are in right now is just concrete and wood and glass and sheetrock but it's also a place for our church family to live and grow and thrive in relationship to each other as brothers and sisters and to God as our Father. And again, we don't wanna make too much of the building today, it's not the temple per se, But neither do we want to make too little of the building we meet at now. And notice that the house of the Lord, notice what it is for in Psalm 122. Just three or four things to take note of. First, it is a place of joy. Verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. The word rejoice is the verb form of the noun joy, rejoice, rejoice. To rejoice is to joy in God. People were full of joy in David's era at just the thought of going to Jerusalem for worship. It was a place that people wanted to travel to. The imagery is of standing in the gates with like a bottleneck in the line waiting to get in. Like when you stand in line, like waiting to get into a good concert or for a line at Disneyland back when that was a thing. May our new building be a place of joy where people just can't wait to squeeze through the door and into a sense of God's felt presence. Second, it is a place of community, verse three. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. The house, so to speak, is a place where we all come together in a COVID year. All is like 50 of us, six feet apart. It's very awkward, trust me. You're not missing that much online. But post-COVID, I can't wait to stand shoulder to shoulder with all of you, no mask on at all, and sing, may our new building be a place of community where we more than just make new friends, we cultivate community over decades, the kind of relationships that form us into the image of Jesus as we follow the way together. Third, it is a place of praise. Take a look at verse four. To praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. The idea behind the Hebrew word for praise here is gratitude, Praise and its cognate gratitude are a theme that run all the way through the library of scripture. By the time you get to Paul in the New Testament, on the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection, I mean, you've read Paul, you can't make it two paragraphs in any one of his letters without a call to gratitude. I thank God, I thank God. Gratitude in Paul's biblical theology is an expression of trust or faith in Jesus. We come to worship Sabbath after Sabbath to reorient our heart back to a place where God, the giver of all life, is at the center and where we receive all of our life as a gift from his hand. We have to reorient at least once a week, if not once an hour, because the posture of our city, as we all know, is the exact opposite. God is not at the center. God is either on the margins of life or out of the picture altogether, and life is not a gift to receive. It is a scant resource that people grasp and compete for and attempt to control and manipulate and hoard for their own survival and pleasure. It is an empty and a futile way to live. We come to worship week after week, not just to sing and listen to a TED Talk wannabe about Jesus, but to reorient our heart, to put God back in his rightful place at the center. May our new building be a place where we come back to the center every week in praise and in gratitude. And finally, it is the place where we hear God's will. Verse five, there stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of God. Now, take note, judgment here is not a bad thing at all. It is a good thing. Think of a judgment from the Supreme Court where you hear, based on the best leaders we have, the will, so to speak, in that case, of the Constitution. In a different but similar way, the house of God is where we come to hear the will of God through leaders, yes, like myself, but from the scriptures and by the spirit. It is the place where we come together to sort through the muddle of ideas and ideologies that assail and afflict us all week long via the news and social media and office talk and paraphernalia in the streets to come back to the will of God the Father, to yield our will, to his will, and discover freedom in that space of surrender, in faith that it will lead us to become a community of life and peace and a culture of death and fear. And remember, in both Hebrew and in Greek, the word for hear, unlike in English, means more than just to listen with your ear, it also means to obey, as when a parent says to a child, kids, you know I say this to you all the time, you're not hearing me, or actually, The main person who says that in my family is my wife to me. You're not hearing me, meaning you're not listening and obeying or doing what I'm asking. May our new building be a place where people come and hear the will of the Father and obey it and yield to it in a deep confidence in Jesus. But last, notice what we are to pray for our new home. There at the end of the Psalm, verse six again, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's a play on words here that we miss in English. The word peace is shalom in Hebrew, and the name Jerusalem is Yerushalayim in Hebrew, or the city of peace. So more literally, it's translated, pray for the peace of the city of peace. And note that David uses the word peace not once, not twice, but three times, right? Verse 6, pray for the peace. Verse 7, may there be peace within your walls. Verse 8, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace, shalom, be within you. Just driving the point home. That is what we are to pray for our space. And, of course, if you know anything about the Hebrew word shalom, you know that it's way more than just peace in the sense of, like, I feel calm. And for sure, it's not the absence of conflict. It is a deep sense of calm and serenity and well-being and joy and confidence before God right in the middle of the chaos of a world on fire. May our new building be an island of shalom and a sea of chaos that is Portland in 2020 and beyond. You know, officially, I don't believe in a theology of sacred space like my Anglican friends. It is written, the earth is the Lord's. There is no place that God is not. I don't think God is more present here or in a cathedral than he is cycling down Burnside or out on a hike in Forest Park. But unofficially, don't tell the elders, my felt experience, not a position of our church, is that there are some places that are just heavy with God's presence and peace in a way that I can't explain. Long ago, the Celtic Christians gave us the idea of a thin place, a place on earth where the membrane between heaven and earth is thin and translucent and there is, they would actually use the world a portal to God's presence and peace in a special way. Whether you think that idea is in the Bible or not, in my experience, there are just, even in our city, there are some places in our city that I walk by and I feel a deep disturbance in my spirit, a darkness in my spirit. I think of you know a music shop on Burnside I pass on a regular basis. There's a house in my old neighborhood that I would run by almost several times a week, and it was more than just kind of run down and a little creepy, there was a spirit of darkness and disturbance that I would feel in my body for like 50 feet before it and after it. Something, there was a presence that was invisible to the naked eye that was there. What if our building was the exact opposite? What if it was a thin place to heaven on earth? What if the thousands of people who cycle past this building right around this corner to my left every day on, well, not right now, but (laughs) post-smoke on their way to work or play, what if every time they came around the corner of 21st and Tillamook, without even coming inside, they were to feel the gravitational pull of the peace and the presence and even the well-being of God himself. That is my prayer for our new building, that it would be a home for our church family, a place of belonging and becoming, but even more, that it would become a thin place for our city itself. Next, I just want to invite you to just take 20 seconds and do exactly what we were just told to do by the psalm and pray for the peace of our new building and even for our city. So if you're watching from home, as most of you are, if you're with your family or your community, just circle out, make a bunch of noise. You have just 10, 20 seconds. Pray for the peace. If you're alone, just take a moment. Pray in the quiet of your heart or out loud. All of you in the room, make as much noise as you want. Let's just pray for a few minutes. God, there is so much anxiety and anger in our city and across our world. We pray that in the midst of that, in a very hard year, and beyond the very hard year that we're living through, may this building, and even more importantly, the community, the family that calls this building home, may we function as a non-anxious presence, as a people of the presence and the peace of God in our day. Amen. Hey, next, I just want to invite two very special people to speak into the life of our church. Chris and Meryl Veenend are originally from South Africa. They now call home Costa Mesa, California, where they are church planters and apostolic leaders of Genesis Collective, which is a global church planting initiative. They also serve on Bridgetown's board of directors as kind of an outside voice, and apostolic voice into the life of our church. They're also kind enough to mentor my lovely wife and I and kind of quasi-parent most of our staff. They are literally some of the very best people I know, and they came to Portland now, that just tells you all you need to know about them. There's not a lot of draw to visit our city right now. Would you please, in the room and a virtual online, give a warm welcome to Chris and Meryl V.
1: It is a delight to be here and share this moment with you. But before I say too much, my wonderful wife, Meryl.
2: Psalm 97 says, The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. I am so grateful that He reigns, and, and I know all of us in this room are. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. I'm so glad He's on the throne, and I'm so glad for this grounding truth that He reigns. Today we celebrate the sovereign, faithful, beautiful hand of God that has been upon Bridgetown during this whole process of um, your journey of 10 something years and up to this point of finding a space, a home, as John Marcus said. Well done. Well done for all of you for the hours you put in, the finances you've given. We were upstairs and I'm one of the people that felt the sacred space upstairs when I walked into the prayer room and the auditorium. Um, Bridgetown, I wanted to say to you, this is what you have been and I really believe you will continue to be. You've been a beacon of light and especially now, we living in dark times. You have been an absolute beacon of light. I cannot tell you how many people tell me down in Orange County how much your podcasts and uh, worship has meant to them. Well done. You're a beacon of hope as your goal is to please him. Thank you for putting Jesus on the throne. Thank you for making it your goal to please him, for living as apprentices to Jesus, for, for following the way that Jesus has given us. Thank you that you're a beacon of truth, and uh, you have courageously and fearlessly stood with what the word says and proclaimed hard truth sometimes. John, Mark, and Tammy, thank you for your word on marriage. I think two weeks ago, I listened to, to it on the way down here, up here, and um the authority of the word has been uncompromised by all of you. Thank you. You have a home. What a glorious, glorious day. And as John Mark said, I thought, wow, we, we should have shared notes. <laughs> um, what makes a home? What makes a house a home? It's a, It's the family. It's the people who dwell there. This is not a place you attend. This is a family you belong to. And I just wanted to say that as you love one another deeply, that means you care for each other, you look out for each other. This week, I needed somebody to encourage me. I needed to call a friend and say, I'm struggling, please pray. You see, we, we, uh, Charles Wesley said this, weary souls that wander from the central point of bliss. And unfortunately, we wander, we drift and we've got to come back to the central point of bliss. And sometimes it's this beautiful man next to me or handsome man that that brings me back to the oh, central beautiful and handsome. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned you because then you start talking. <laughs> he brings me back to the central point of bliss. Sometimes it's a friend who I phone and say, I just I need prayer, who brings me back to the wonder of who he is and who he means in my life. Thank you.
1: Thank you, my love. You know, um, we have had the privilege of walking through much of the Bridgetown story. And I remember the early days, just the sense of curiosity. Is this going to make it? This little church, is it going to survive? Because we all know Portland is the graveyard of churches. And then, hmm, I wonder if it can actually impact the city of Portland. Is that possible? And then, The Pacific Northwest, the most unchurched region in the United States, could it possibly possibly reach in and create a a fingerprint in this region and then the U.S. and now the globe? But you know, all of that has been made possible to you Bridgetown peeps because of your bold faith. Uh, I sat this morning and typed some things that just flowed so easily as I thought with great fondness of you in this decade. Your courageous obedience, um, the times in which Profound generosity was required, and then your robust sense of community. Those were the anchor things that made this such a possible journey. We're now at the climax of a decade and a building. Um, and, And who would have guessed when we, the board, sat down and said, Yes, we think this is God, we need to get this building. Little did we know COVID would hit and would hit hard. Little did we know there would be massive political divisiveness in the country. Throw in some economic fragility and pain. What the heck? Some protests and rioting and anxiety. And you responded. You held your ground. You believed in what God was stirring inside of you. You held firm to your convictions And you gave, even when it hurt financially, we are privileged on the board to get the weekly giving. And there were times I just sat at my desk in Orange County and just shook my head and wanted to pinch myself and say, are these really the times I think we're living in? Because these numbers don't reflect it. You have been profoundly generous. However, this is a page turning moment. Um, The author and the veteran, Ernest Hemingway, said there's nothing to writing. All that you do is sit down with a typewriter and you bleed. Are you ready to bleed? So all that this is, the end of a decade, it's the end of a chapter, it's the conclusion of the story thus far, and somehow God's cosmic authorship turns the page, and he starts writing, and then God. And then God, this new chapter will definitely, with all of its excitement, require a fresh faith. If you've done 100 push-ups, you're probably going to need to do 105. This is going to require a whole new sense of courage, service, sacrifice. A robustness that will forge out of the days which lie ahead. We look with gratitude to what has been. It builds us with confidence because God has been so profoundly good. But it will bring goodbyes, because every chapter we know says goodbye to some and hello to some more. It will carry pain, of that we're absolutely certain, and then the privilege will creep through like a glorious ecology will out of the ashes of these fire times we live in. Habakkuk, the third chapter reads, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them. Would you repeat them in our day, in our time? Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Will you repeat them in our time? This is a profoundly exciting moment, Bridgetown. But this is a sober moment as we anticipate what God will do. And there will be times we, like Habakkuk, will reflect on the things that God has done because it will be the foundation Upon which we stand, and the courage that we will discover to do the things He wants us to do over the next 10 years. And Meryl and I, as we pray and bless you, it is that we strap on the seatbelts of faithful readiness for the adventure which is knocking on your door. This is not a time purely to reflect with gratitude in what was. It is also a time full of grace-filled anticipation of what will come. Every one of you, every one of us who are seated or standing, hearing this morning, reviewing with gratitude the building means that there is an assignment in this community For what lies ahead. For the single, there is great faith. For those who are married, for those who have kids, for those who are younger and older, there is a sense of ownership. God, do it again in my time. Let my children, my children who may never have known the stumbling early steps of discovery in the urban core, but let them discover their adventure called Bridgetown, full of faith, full of grace, full of redemption. Full of mercy. Father, I thank you for this incredible community. I thank you for the story that a chapter ends, but a new chapter begins with the words, then God. I ask, Lord, that we will strap on our seatbelts of readiness and we will posture ourselves in anticipation on tippy toes for what it is you will do amongst us in our day, in our time, and this hour. We thank you for all the promises you've given to us. And we put our hands up to say, Yes, Lord, count me in. I want to be part of this story in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Chris and Merrill. We honor you. I'm not honestly not sure that I would still be here if not for a relationship with you. Thank you so very much and the role that you play in our church the voice you have, we're so grateful. Um, next up, we just wanna hear from four key leaders in our city, I've asked several key leaders, would you just come, say a short word, and then pray a blessing over us? And I wanna make this clear, this is not sentimental, I don't really have a sentimental bone in my body. I My best reading of biblical theology is that some people have more spiritual authority than others due to holiness, due to the role they play in the church. I think of James chapter five, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so I asked three key spiritual leaders with long-standing authority in our city, would you just come, say a word or two, and then pray a blessing and unlock something, like bind and loose, and unlock something of heaven here on earth for our church. So first up, I've asked Mark, Mark Strong to come. Mark Strong is the longtime founder and pastor of Life Change Christian Center, 32 years ago, I think, right, Mark? 32 years, 33 years, long time, been in the city just about a mile west of here. He is a renowned leader, not only in the African-American community for his work around gentrification and police reform and gang violence, but in the church across where he really is an elder, not just at his church, but to the church at large. And he's taught here before, you know him, would you please give a warm welcome
3: to Mark Mark Strong. Well, good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be here today on this uh, momentous occasion, and I just celebrate with you uh, just uh, God's faithfulness and your faithfulness, because if you had not followed him with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, you would not be here today. But you're here today, and you're experiencing this wonderful uh, time of a new venture and a new beginning because of his faithfulness in yours. So I just I rejoice with you in what uh, God is doing and what he has done through you. Um, I appreciate uh, your church. I appreciate the, the impact that uh, Bridgetown has had in our city and is having in our city and how that uh, your church is just a dispenser. Of the hope of Jesus Christ, and how we need that today. I felt I was as I was thinking about just coming and saying a couple words here. I had something on my mind to say, but then uh, this morning, as I got up and got started bustling around to come, I just kind of felt like the Lord dropped a prophetic scripture on my heart for the church, and I want to share that. It's Genesis chapter forty-nine, verse twenty-two, and this is in reference to Joseph, Joseph who uh, was sold as a slave. Uh, into Egypt, ripped away from his family, endured incredible hardship and difficulty. But when his father Jacob was blessing him at the end of his days, he says this about Joseph. He said, Joseph is a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. And I believe that that is the heart of God for Bridgetown, that God has planted you as a church by a spring and by a well And that the fruitfulness, your vine, your branches are going to grow over the wall. How we need that today. Wall symbolizes uh, blockages. A wall symbolizes a barrier. Walls symbolize difficulties. But the blessing of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God has the ability to help the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to go over the walls And bring the fruit of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ to those who need it. And so my prayer today, and I'm going to pray this. My prayer today is that you would continue to abide by the springs, the richness of the spirit of God, the richness of the truth of God's word. And as you do so, the richness of community and fellowship and uh, authentic living with one another, that as you do that, God will cause your branches to grow and grow and grow. And no matter if it's COVID, no matter if it's fire, no matter if it's Black Lives Matter, no matter if it's riots, whatever it is, there's something in the the, uh, innate DNA of the church that will enable it to go over those walls to bring forth the fruit of Jesus Christ in a world that's needed. So, Father, thank you today for your wonderful, wonderful mercy and your grace. Thank you for the grace of God that has been poured out upon Bridgetown. And we continue to ask, Father, that you would fill this church, this house, this home with living water that will cause fruit, life-giving fruit, Lord, to be born and to blossom in those places where hungry souls are in desperate need today. Strengthen them, Lord. Help them to continue to Live life uh, with you and live life with one another with that sense of destiny, Lord God, that they are making a difference and that the purpose of your hand upon them is to bring forth fruit that will transform lives to the glory of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we bless Bridgetown today and we thank you for your faithfulness upon them in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Mark, so much. We honor you. And Mark, you don't know this, but we had a prayer time first thing this morning, and Joseph there were two prophetic words about Joseph already this morning, so I received that and can't wait to meditate on that scripture later. Thank you. Um, next up, I wanna invite Pastor Rick McKinley of Amago Day Community. If you know anything about the church in Portland, Amago is like one of the anchor churches, one of those churches that the rest of us look to for direction, and Rick is more than just a pastor. He's an apostolic leader. They planted churches all over our city, across the Northwest and the region, and they've done pioneering work here and prophetic work here both in kind of church engagement with the city around issues of social justice more recently around diversity equity inclusion and and Rick is really one of the best leaders that we have Rick would you come and just say a few things before you pray
4: thank you Bridgetown it's good to be it's good to be with you today and um, one of the things that when I think of the Church of Portland like we are one family uh, and, and we really sense that, I think, in Portland. There's a sense of unity, but every family has their own house, right? And, and every house is a little different. If you uh, have siblings, and they grow up, and you go to their house, and we run houses differently, but overall, we're one family. And as I think of this house and this day, this moment that, that you have moved into your own space, but it's not just space. It really is. You are a church that actually lives in a particular zip code now. We were a church for ten years without a building. We we were like uh, pushing shopping carts around Portland, right? Like we we didn't have a place, but now you have a place, and God has rooted you in a place. And I was thinking of that scene in First Kings chapter eight when the when they dedicate the temple. As John Mark said, we know it's different, it's, it's a building, it's not the temple, but at the same time, there is this beautiful scene where they bring the Ark of the Covenant in and it says that the only thing in the Ark was the covenant, like the only thing that, that was at the center of that Holy of Holies where, where God dwelt was this covenant that he had made with his people And and one of my prayers for you is that the only thing that would ground you as a family, that would be the foundation of Bridgetown that has and that will, would be the covenant that God has made with you through Jesus Christ. And after that, it says that the, the spirit of the Lord filled the temple and the glory was so thick that the priests couldn't do their work. And I know we have a lot of pastors at our church that would like to claim that uh, when they just don't wanna do their work. But my prayer (laughs) is that that it would be so thick in this place based on that covenant, the purity of God with his people that as Paul says, we have a greater glory than than Solomon did in that temple. That we all with unveiled faces would behold that glory. And so, so in this house, one of my prayers is that you would be a people continually awed, continually stopped in your tracks, continually having to cease from worry and busyness because the glory of God is so thick in this house. And the other thing that I would pray for you is for courage, Um, One of the things that happens, I think, in churches when we get from a stage of planting to a stage of having a building is that that everybody kind of goes, oh, we made it, right? And there's a reason that many of the church plants in Portland are taking over buildings that are empty, because somewhere along the line, the church got safe and the church got kind of apathetic, and the church got comfortable, and the church othered themselves to the culture around them and protected themselves from the culture around them, and the church got nice and safe and small and irrelevant, and the church disappeared. And so what I pray for you is I pray that you would have courage because, brothers and sisters, the times are not getting better And they won't be getting better. And in this season that God has established you downtown Portland in this urban core, that you would have courage to believe that the church exists for the world, not for itself. That the church exists for Jesus and his purposes, not ours. And that you would give yourself away, blessed, taken, broken, and given. To this city that is going to be hurting worse over the next year. And God has given you a house, right, for hospitality and generosity, a house of healing of the broken, a house of plenty for those in scarcity, a house of abundance. And may we be the courageous people of God. May you be that for the city of Portland. I pray that for you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Rick. We receive that. We honor you. Thank you for that word of exhortation. I'm really grateful for our friendship um, between the two of us as well as between our churches. Finally, um, man, I'm just sitting with that word that felt really of the spirit. Finally, I wanna invite, actually, my mom and dad to come and give a final blessing. Do you know anything about the story of our church? We started, kinda sorta, depending on how you tell the story, 17 years ago out in Beaverton, and what is now Bridgetown Church was first, kind of a a second location in the city, and I co-planted that church many years ago with my dad, who's played a key role in so many of our lives, and this church, honestly, Bridgetown would not exist, without my mom and my dad's, I would literally not exist. You would be fine. I would literally not exist. And this church would not exist without their blessing and their release and their faith and their confidence in Jesus and in us. So would you just welcome them as they give us a final blessing.
5: Uh, Thank you, son. Well, he also would not exist if Jesus hasn't changed my life. Because I never would have married this beautiful woman, and we would not have experienced the manifold blessings that have been poured upon us for, for generations. Um, I have a scripture I want to read over you, but uh, as John Mark said, this, I can't help but look back and remember before the building... Uh, this church met in multiple places, First Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, Laurel Hearst. But I remember the first night, hundreds of young people were streaming into First Baptist Church. We climbed way up to the top of the bell tower, which was very dangerous. I thought we were all going to die up there. It was old, rickety wood. And then we heard about these two older women who were there weeping because they had prayed For months and years, and they had a vision of hundreds of young people streaming into this building, which was empty at the time. So hundreds of young people filled the building, and they were weeping and crying because the seeds of their prayers were being answered. And your prayers have been answered as well, and this building is here in a result of those ladies' prayers and of your prayers as well. And now we have watched for years, Bridgetown Church, for more than a decade. Thousands have heard the truth of the gospel. Thousands have heard of the love of God, of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Hundreds of people have been baptized. We've seen many of them with our own eyes. And the story continues. As as Chris said, we're turning the page into a new chapter because God is always doing a new and beautiful thing. Uh, I'm reading the book of Revelation right now, which I absolutely love. I don't understand half of it, but I love it so much because it gives me a big perspective, and we know how the story ends. We sang earlier that Jesus is coming again, and we know the end of the story, but the times we live in are dark times. They're confusing times, and every so often, God gets the world's attention. Uh, Something like a pandemic comes, and Jesus said before he came back, there would be birth pangs. There would be famines and plagues, and and wars, and rumors of wars, and earthquakes, and fires, and we're seeing all this, and it just gets me excited as an older follower of Jesus for the reality that he's coming again, and we have a job to do to share the good news. Bridgetown has been a lighthouse, and it still is a lighthouse, and my prayer that it will be a lighthouse until Jesus returns. So the scripture I have is from from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Paul said this to the Philippian church, but I want to speak it over you. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. And that phrase, "...among whom you appear as lights in the world," another translation says, "...shine like stars in the universe as you hold fast the word of life." And that word, hold fast, can also be hold forth. So as you hold fast to the gospel, to the truth... As Meryl shared, and you hold strong on to Jesus, the light of the world, you hold on to him strong like you're holding this torch and you're holding it forth. And you're going to hold it forth and hold it forth and hold it fast day after day after day, month after month, year after year, until either Jesus comes or you're called home. In Revelation to one of the seven churches, Jesus said, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. I just want to encourage you to stay faithful, because God doesn't reward greatness. He rewards faithfulness, and faithfulness is one minute at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. You're faithful in your marriage. You're faithful to raise your kids in the way of the Lord. You're faithful to pray for your leaders. You're faithful to walk with God. You're faithful to hold forth this torch, Jesus Christ. The light of the world. He said that He is the light of the world, but He said that we are also the light of the world. So keep it up. This is the lighthouse. And as Rick said, some of us who are older, we've seen churches that once were shining brightly, and that lighthouse was reaching not just its city but beyond to the world. And then the light got dim. And so my prayer is that that will never happen here. You're already shining to the world. Bridgetown, it's not just about the amazing. Uh, thing that God's doing here in Portland that is a miracle in and of itself in this dark city in this crooked and perverse generation you're shining like stars people are being healed they're finding life but other churches are watching and you're modeling for them what it looks like to hold forth the word of life what it looks like to hold fast the word of life and so you're reaching far beyond this city and I'm so grateful uh, that I can watch it not just my son of course I'm proud of him but that I can watch what you guys are doing as you follow the Lord.
6: Amen. This morning, I took a couple of minutes with you moving into, with us moving into this new home and thought back and realized, counted back, that I'm aware of, I've lived in about 21 homes over houses over the years. And each of those houses, some of them just for a few months, the longest for 11 years, and some of the, each of those houses became home for me and to me and to my family and Some of them or all of them were filled with mostly good memories a few not so good memories being humans that filled the house this beautiful building is Bridgetown family's new home a place to build those memories a place to grow up for some to grow old for others a place to come running to when you're worried and discouraged when you're lonely and feel misunderstood a place to celebrate a place to worship together as a family Psalm 28 verse 6 in the New American Standard Bible says God makes a home for the lonely the NIV puts it he puts the lonely in families this is where your whole big family will gather. I love nothing more than when all 17 loud, opinionated, affectionate, messy members of my family all gather together. And this is where your whole family will be. You'll love on each other. You'll learn from each other. You'll comfort each other. You'll forgive each other. Please, please forgive each other outside of these walls life takes place but here when you gather together something magical will happen like John Mark said like Disneyland this will be a place of magic and though I had no idea John Mark was going to bring up those Irish mystics who claim that in this world there are thin places that's what I keep thinking about for Bridgetown for us those thin places where we sense and we experience and we feel God's way, presence in tangible ways where we just all of a sudden, the fog is cleared and we know, but we know that he's here and he's with us. I pray for Bridgetown Church, for Bridgetown family, that this would be one of his thin places every time you walk in you would just breathe a sigh of relief and say ah god is here and he is with me those thin places where we the family of god bring the spirit of god into the building with us and fill he fills this place and we experience god in real time the father our father as we walk through these doors and we experience him together.
5: Rick mentioned the uh, dedication of the temple in the Old Testament. And I read the same, same passage this morning. And the presence of God filled the temple. And then it says, God speaks. And he says, I've heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place as a place of sacrifice. And so God hears our prayers today. And here's your prayers And we're going to pray together now. Father, I pray that you would pour blessing upon blessing on Bridgetown Church as you have in the past. We look back, we see the great things that God has done. There's no other explanation for this story, Lord. You raised this church up, you planted it. And now you've given us, uh, this church, a a place of real estate, a a place to, to plant the flag, so to speak. And I just pray that they would be faithful day after day. And that this lighthouse would shine so bright that when people walk by it, they just sense something is going on in there. And as people walk through the doors, may they encounter Jesus Christ, the light of the world who came to bring hope to every one of us. So Lord, bless it in every way. In Jesus' name.
6: And Father, I just thank you that this church is a family and that you've given this family a home to gather. I do pray that here in this place, good memories will be made that take people wherever they are across the world and they look back and they say, this is where I knew you for sure, where I experienced the love of God. Lord, I pray that here people will meet and marry, that babies will be welcomed into the family, that people who've never heard the good news, the gospel will come and hear it for the first time and and open their eyes in wonder for what you have ahead for them, I pray that here reconciliation and forgiveness between people will happen. That your plea, peace, your shalom, will fill the hearts of the people as they walk through these doors. I thank you that that's true where your presence is, and your presence is here. We love you.